Welcome to Carved to Beautify, a podcast designed to encourage and inspire young women like you to seek a deeper relationship with God and discover His purpose for your life. My name is Alyssa Tangway and I'm your host and today I am joined by one of my mentors and friends and just an amazing person and musician, Mrs. Katie Tolley, and she is going to be talking to us about how to raise specifically daughters, children of God, but specifically daughters today, and how you can have a princess and a warrior all wrapped into one, and she's going to share a lot of her mom wisdom with us. So we hope you enjoy. Miss Katie, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. I'm super excited to have you share And you're just such a fun person. And when I was trying to figure out who I wanted to do this um, particular episode, I was like, oh, she'd be so fun. So for our listeners, I'm I'm so excited for you to get to meet Miss Katie and hear about her life. And thank you just again for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So for all the people that don't know who you are, uh, where are you from and what makes up your current career life? Um, if any time you ask me, I will tell you I'm a proud Ohioan. I'm a Buckeye. <laughs> um, but I moved to the South when I came here to attend Lee University. Um, so I'm in my senior year um, in the midst of... Um, senior recitals and final projects and everything, I met my husband who was born and raised in North Georgia. So we've made our home here um, in Ringgold, which is right at the Tennessee-Georgia line. Um, My first career, my first job is wife and mom. Um, But the thing that I work to do is as a music education advocate and administrator for a nonprofit Suzuki Strings School um, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We provide um, free and scholarship lessons to underserved students, um, which is just a really special place for my heart because when I was a student wanting to learn, we didn't have the finances available. And now Mm -hmm. I for students who are in that place and make sure that they get to have that music education, which just makes such a rich life. It's such a beautiful thing. I remember when I first saw um, Janelle leading them a long time ago at one of the churches down there, and it was so impactful, like just watching all these little children play and knowing that, you know, they wouldn't have had this opportunity if it weren't for donors and you know teachers giving of their time for you know this to happen we are we are growing and um it was a quite the path to get to where i'm at um and i'm so grateful to have been trusted with it um, it is definitely a calling and a ministry so what did you say your husband uh, does is he also a musician He is not. He is actually not really musical at all. He kind of learns along with my daughter and I. Um, But he is an electrical engineering technician for our local utilities. The easiest way to describe his job is that he's the geek behind the lineman. He's the (laughs) 
he makes all the power lines talk to each other. He yeah. is brilliant. He's brilliant. And then um, on the side, he's also a high school football referee because he is a lover of football. Wow. Yeah. That is so neat. So, what is one of the best things you did with your husband before you had your child? Um, not going to lie. We spent a lot of time getting to know one another in the early parts of our marriage. I'm glad we took that time um, to really just build a relationship because we were um, what they called at Lee, where I went to school, a quick work. We <laughs> met and married within a year. Um, so we just needed to take time to learn each other's pet peeves and learn, you know, all the quirks and things. And we learned that by serving together, whether it be in church. So as you know, you spend time with us, there were never more two people that were more opposite from each other. Uh, we are the example of two opposite people meeting, falling in love and having to learn how to navigate that so what types of things attracted you to each other and then like also how did you stick through that um his for me what attracted me to him was just his steady and stable self um I grew up with a lot of just ups and downs um without a without a father in the home and he was just he's that strong steady type and um it was very foundational for me um you know that when he speaks he has something to say he doesn't just fill the air um and he also you know took me out to my adventurous side that I didn't realize I necessarily had all while still supporting me in the things that I loved. I'll never forget him deciding that he was going to use his electrical engineering brain and tutor me through college math that I had um, procrastinated till my last <laughs> semester. And he always related it to music so I was able to understand math in a way that I never had before um and you know I I don't necessarily know why he picked me or why <laughs> he just, you ask him like I said he's a man of few words um so he'll just say I just love you <laughs> it's um, he's super chill, but he loves Lydia and I well, and he is strong and he is firm and he's so supportive um, to let us be the creatives that we need to be. Um, opposites being married is not easy. Um, and then two opposites having a child that possesses all of those opposite qualities. <laughs> Um, is also interesting, but there is so much grace for it, and we couldn't do it without the Lord. I don't know how people live life, like wake up in the morning without the Lord. Um, we can always tell the temperature marking when, you know, that 
that course needs corrected a little bit. Um, and it's always, you know, more time in the word, more time in the word together, more time in prayer, more, you know, you can, you can tell what ingredients are going in the pot that help us complement instead of clash. Normally when, when that side of it's off, we are clashing more than we are complimenting. Ooh, I like that. All the snaps for that one. That was really good. <laughs> no. So if you could go back and tell yourself before you had kids something important, what would that be? Um, definitely take a deep breath. Um, learn how to give and receive grace for yourself and focus on progress over perfection. Um Lydia's middle name is Grace for a few reasons. <laughs> um, the first reason is that um, when I went to college, my beloved voice teacher um, taught me so much about grace. And she was a woman of great grace. I grew up never giving myself grace. I would take blame for things that were not mine. <laughs> um, and she sat me down and taught me about grace and perfection and about how impossible perfection is um and loved me through it um but then also the shift from being responsible for yourself and the shift for then becoming a wife and two becoming one and then you add a child to it there's a paradigm shift in your willingness to give and receive grace and by being a mother, um, the Lord has used that to teach me so much about the giving and the receiving of grace to my opposite husband and to my, and to Lydia and most importantly to myself. Um, that's the wise advice. The fun advice that I didn't learn until I had Lydia is to play with Lego. Like I never had Legos growing up and it's our favorite thing to do. I didn't realize that Legos could be like therapeutic, but they are. And um, that's a, that's one thing that my husband is very opposite from than Lydia and I, Lydia and I just love to sit and play with bricks and get a super high going to the Lego store and picking out super hard sets. And he's like, ugh. Legos, please get him away. <laughs> but um, she's taught me a lot about having fun so much. And I wasn't great at it. I was, I grew up really, really fast when I was a kid. And the Lord, the Lord gave grace for that. And he gave me a place to learn to play growing up. So that's so neat. I love it. So you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but I want to go of more into it so we were talking about you and your husband and obviously that's a big part of having a child so you know that takes it takes the marriage but then it also takes the marriage with the right person and then it takes like knowing the right time and all this stuff so what kinds of qualities as you were you know dating your husband or even just getting to know him kind of tips you off to the fact that this person's going to make a good mate and a good father let me start by saying that marriage and parenting um, is not 50-50, as I was always told. 
it's definitely a hundred percent, a hundred percent from each person and a hundred percent surrender from each of them to the Lord and two people who are really great at apologizing and really great at forgiving. Um, and, and learning that being said, um, like I said before, we met and married in a year. Um, we've shared many, many times that, um, we would not go back and do this again. (laughs) We would take more time and get to know each other. Um, a big part of our timing, you know, we knew that, we were the one for one another. We had prayed, we'd fasted and gone through all those steps, but I was graduating. I had a job, a teaching job waiting for me. He already had, a, had purchased a home, both of our, you know, so we were in a place where financially it made sense not for me to not sign us forever long lease. We weren't going to have a big wedding. Um, so we went with his logical side. And made a financially sound decision. Like it was a very, there wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, we just can't wait to be together. It was, this makes financial sense. Let's do that. <laughs> um, but it was really early within the first couple of times I spent with Joe because we spent a lot of, we met at church. Um, and so I got to see him being with other kids and things like that. But he has this foundational character um, that I needed and wanted in a mate where he was grounding and he was steady and he was secure and um, did what he said he was going to do. He was a man of his word and he told the truth. So he was already so rooted and grounded in a personal relationship with the Lord and talked openly about it, committed to a local church. Um dedicated to his career and a steady job still works at the same place he's had one full-time job his entire wow I needed that after my childhood and he was wise with his finances and was willing to teach me what I had not been taught um he saw me and celebrated me for exactly who I was it wasn't a competition there wasn't a checklist of of um, me having to live up to expectations. It was just me for me. Um, and with great support and great love. Um, and it's still a steadying part of who we are in our home. And I see him giving that to Lydia as a dad, even now, um, much like me, um, he always, when we were in a big crowd, I loved that he was drawn to kids first and I would see him get on his knees and talk to them first. Um, learning to know their names, learning to know what they were interested in, they were always drawn to them. And that was something that was just so important to me, knowing that I was going to be an educator um, and signing up to be a music educator is a whole different kind of, um, sur- surrender. Is that the word? Um, because doing things with kids was going to be a part of everything we did. Um, and, you know, early on, I didn't 
know if I wanted to be a mother. Um, I really wanted to focus so much on being a musician. I didn't feel qualified to be a mother. Um, but the more we grew together as a team and I saw how we complemented one another, um, the more confident I became that together we could parent what God had entrusted to us, no matter what amount of children or who they were. So I couldn't do it without him. It's definitely, it takes both of us. Oh, that's so sweet. I hope he gets to hear this part. <laughs> but you mentioned something that I actually hadn't thought about asking you, but um, when you said, you know, like being a music educator, like you work with kids and all that, to be honest, there are some, well, there's a lot of days where I'm just like, I don't want to see another child. I'm so over children. I can't imagine having to come home to my own children. Like, I mean, it sounds terrible, but you know what I mean? Like you just get exhausted and worn out with all these children. And my parents are like, oh, it would be different if they were your own and all this stuff and you can manage them and whatnot. And I'm just like, I don't know. So like, did you ever have those feelings? And Yes. <laughs> there is a reason we had, there are many reasons, but that was one factor that we just have one, one of many. Um, and then the older she's gotten and the more I realize how very different my parenting, our parenting style is to the postmodern world, I guess you would call it. Um, the more we realize that I can advocate. Um, I didn't stay in the classroom long with large groups of children. I moved to private lessons where it was just one kid at a time. And I could hire and fire students if necessary. Love it. <laughs> I had to understand what was what was wise for my brain space and for my self-control. Um, I stepped, I've now stepped away from the music classroom on a full-time basis because um, I wanted the music educator, the passion of that to be able to go into Lydia. Um, and I also saw it as the disservice that I would, ex no matter how hard I fought it, I would expect kids to rise to where she's at. But then she's going home every day with a music educator. That's not necessarily fair mm -hmm. uh, to them. And I just found that I could love them a whole lot better if I administrated and advocated and it was wild. I was feeling that and I was wrestling with it. Um, and I get an email in my inbox um, that, you know, says, would you be interested in applying to this position? I was like, yes. <laughs> I would love to sit in an office by myself and help everybody else do great things. Things that I needed an administrator to do for me when I was a music educator that I didn't have and I could support while still saving that music educator for Lydia because that's a very special thing that she and I share. Hmm. You're so not off. After you were married, 
how long did it take before you had kids? Did you have conversations, you know, like before or after or, you know, just saying like, how do you know when you're ready? Um, Before we got married, we did. And he was like, what do you want to do? <laughs> he was just chill. He was just going to go with it. He's like, you know, having kids would be nice. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I want to be a full grown up and I want to live life. And I, does that ever happen? The full grown up part? No, no. Um, but that's okay. There's, there's joy. Like I said, I learned how to play. Um, and we were having a conversation on the way home from a concert yesterday about how he wanted to know if I wished I could go back and take music history again because in parenting a musician I've learned so much more about the connections and I wouldn't have the struggles that I had and I was like no like I don't want to <laughs> that was a, a stressful season of life but um he just kind of went with it and let me we talked like it was it was an open conversation he's a very good listener um but you know, we intentionally took three years before we ever even had the conversation of, hey, I think I would like to have at least one kid. Um, but then that walked into some infertility issues um, that were about two years long. Um, Lydia is quite the answer to prayer and the testimony because she was the child that was never supposed to be possible. Um, so we celebrated our fifth anniversary when Lydia was four months old. So, um, we, I wanted to plan it out. I wanted to have everything there. Um, he went with the flow and let me plan what I needed to plan and helped me pivot when I couldn't control it. Um, and so in the midst of the infertility, I had this checklist in my mind of everything I needed to do to get my body ready. Um, but I learned a lot again about God's grace and his mercy in that season and that it wasn't my fault. Um, that it was a part of his great master sovereign plan. Um, we shared intentionally with one another about our own stories and experiences Um we discussed and continue the conversation of what we want for Lydia and what, how we want that, what we want to carry in from what we learned from our experiences and what we would like to do differently. Um, and it's each step in each season. It's um, you're never there. You never arrive. I've never parented a child the age that she is today. Cause she's a, a day older than she was yesterday and when she was born, so was a mother and so was a father because we'd never been a mother or father before. So. That's such an interesting concept. I've never thought of it like that, but it's true. Like, I guess that it helps lower or take some of the pressure off, you know, and you realize like they've never done this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever been in a classroom where you've had a student who gets frustrated with himself for not knowing the answer before you teach them the material. Mm. But that's often how parents put themselves. They feel like they're supposed to know all the answers just because they're older. 
and you don't because you've never done this before. And each child comes with a unique personality and you've never parented that child before. And again, it's all the grace, all of the (laughs) grace. So I never came to the place where I felt completely ready, but I, I felt the desire that like God was calling me and equipping me to be a mama. Um, and it wasn't always the case. So for that to change in me was, it, it kind of got my attention, but we came to a place where we had peace mm-hmm. where we made a, you know, let go and try. And then again, we had that, like I mentioned earlier, we had that process of infertility and God prepared us for each and every step. He was there, you know, right when we were saying we don't have the money for infertility treatments, I guess it's not for us. Um, he made the miracle happen and there she was. Um, and so as much as we would love to talk about parenting in seasons and all of that, sometimes it's in tiny baby steps. It's not even a full right, left stride. It's one foot and then the next foot right in front of the other. And sometimes it's even being willing to take a step back and recalculate. So people usually say that like the first couple of years are some of the toughest, you know, just navigating everything. How did you guys get through that? Um, our first two years had all the emotions, all of them, all at once. <laughs> um, God knew in advance and that's why he um, allowed me to have all of them. And then Joe was like, chill. And you know, still waters run deep, (laughs) but we survived him with grace and mercy. It was the Lord really, um, hindsight 2020. Um, we've since learned that, um, I struggled a whole lot more with PMDD than we realized it wasn't a, it was still not a mental health has come a long way, um, in the past decade or so. So it was still, um, not a public like a public thing that you talked about Mm -hmm. but I'm thankful that I had friends that gathered me and got me what the help that I needed supported me and um helped the way that they could um but and I'm so grateful that there's more awareness so as I see young mothers I watch for those signs I'll offer to hold a screaming baby and do what I can and and give them a hug and remind them it's okay to feel out of control like a spinning top because that's kind of where you feel for a little while. Um, She was a fabulous baby. She slept. Um, She ate. She hit all of her targets. But I do not do well with uh, my sleep being disrupted even now. Um, I've mentioned before, I'm definitely a perfectionist in recovery um, and not knowing all the answers or having, you know, all the answers right in a row really made me lean into letting God be more than enough in my not enough. Um, it was very sanctifying and it really made me lean into grace 
Um, but what got us through was that those early decisions of what made us fall in love with each other being the, the foundation of Christ and that relationship of Christ um, is what we knew where to go. We knew that Christ is the solid rock we stand on. And without that, anything else falls apart. So we knew there's an old song that I sang when I was in choir about, I go to the rock. I go to the rock. And so when we were in those times, we knew to go to the rock. Um, and he was faithful to put the other supports in place that we didn't necessarily know where to go to and what to do next. Um, he got us there. Um for a support system. Oh man, we didn't have a lot. My family lives in Ohio. Um, and, um, my relationship with Joe's family is a unique one. <laughs> um, but we had friends who were very willing to help as they could. They also had new babies. So they knew they might know like what worked with their kid. Their kids were a couple years older than us. Um, but is, you know, it sounds terrible to think that you didn't have a support system. I did. But then in that, I got the gift of being able to take Lydia with me, my, her first couple of years to work so as I taught private lessons, she was in the playpen and she was down the floor and being surrounded by music all the time. The hardest season was when she's about 15 months old. Um, we still don't really know how it happened, but I fell taking the laundry out and broke my foot in a bunch of different places. Um, and with the injury, the surgery to repair it, in a year-long recovery process. Wow. I mean, non, I, I couldn't walk. I was on a knee scooter. I was non-weight-bearing for a year. Um, it insisted I let some walls fall down. It allowed some healing with Joe's family um, for them to accept me for who I am and for, for me to accept them and, and trust them. And they came and helped us out um, with her. And... I took a big step and started letting them keep her while I went to work um, and have a great relationship with grandparents, which is something I'm really thankful for. I didn't have gr grandparents growing up, so I'm so grateful to see her having that. And without that injury, um, the opportunity would have not prevented itself or, or without that injury the opportunity would not have presented itself for me to allow them in and for that healing to happen. Hmm. Wow. That's so cool. I mean, obviously we don't want something bad to happen, but like the fact that, like you said, it was that little window into healing for everyone. That's really neat. So I know we've talked a little bit about this, like in our own conversations, not on this episode, but the world is a crazy place and the choices, I mean, obviously we're both in like school settings, choices that are being made by parents and children and everything is sometimes a disaster. 
So what kinds of lifestyle choices have you and your husband intentionally made um, to help Lydia grow at her own pace, explore passions instead of growing at the pace that the world is pushing children to grow at? Um, wow. Intentional is a great word. Um, Lydia is a walking contradiction. She's multiple ages all at the same time. Um, she will gladly tell you she's a fun-sized candy bar. Um, <laughs> you look at her and you think she's one age and then you talk to her and you think she's 40 and then you ask her how old she is and she tells you how old she actually is and everybody just kind of looks. Um, That's so true. It is. And she's a joy. And it's, I think often um, she is homeschooled. So I often think like, who would she be if she did not get to be homeschooled and get to be completely her? So our general rule is that I go against the norm. Um, there's a sign that someone got us that hangs in our house that says weird is a side effect of awesome. <laughs> and that's kind of where we went with our family motto. Um, because you don't, you know, necessarily want to just go with the flow. You want the, the, the word tells us to be in the world, not of the world. So if I'm looking like the rest of the world. I'm not following that commandment. Um, so the more we parent and see the way of all of these kids and their struggles, the more we kind of lean into that. Um, early on, we used tablets and let her watch things. But then I noticed this glazed over look where she just wasn't engaged. And I struggled with it. And I didn't say anything. And then my husband says you know she's not paying any attention why don't we just turn that off and I went really you're okay with that I would like to just put it away and um so we took it away and she never even cared she never even <laughs> she doesn't remember ever having that um so we replaced it with um more music listening and more reading and audiobooks and we watched her come alive. Um, and still, those are the things she goes to. She loves to listen to music just for the fun of it. She loves reading books. She loves um, listening to books. Um, as a classroom educator, I dreamed of the day that we would put our book bags together and have our first day of school. And whatever school she went to would be the school that I taught in. Um we went to school her first year of preschool. She was three. Um, she was begging to learn. Um, I And she was an easy learner. She loves to learn. She's very curious. And that first year was absolutely beautiful. It was fabulous. God gifted her with a wonderful teacher in a very small class that was just enchanting. We're still friends with multiple of those parents and kids today. Um, that teacher, I think she had Lydia's card. Um, she knew how to keep her attentive and how to challenge her and let her learn at her own pace. Um, 
which was a real, it took a really special person because at three, Lydia was already reading. I don't remember teaching her. She just kind of picked it up along the way. And that teacher um, really just leaned into that and celebrated that. Our second year had um, multiple challenges. Um, The final straw was a situation where another child was putting their hands on, they're pushing my kid around on the playground. It did not go very well. Um, And I was trying to be patient and a good classroom teacher. (laughs) And we just kind of hit a wall where there was no other choice. Um, So we pulled her in March and started homeschooling her. And which was something I swore I would never do. She needs the experience. What about socialization? Um, But we did not anticipate the blessing that it would be for our entire family to work together. I do not homeschool Lydia alone. Um, We do it together with Joe, together with her music teachers, um, together with, you know, her her orchestra director, her piano teacher, all of them are all a part of it, um, to let her go after what God has made her to be. Um, Homeschooling did make room for music in her world. I don't know how kids um, with, who are in school all day long can truly dedicate themselves to be an excellent musician with the hours of practice it takes once you get or even an athlete any of those things um and so homeschooling has allowed us to have room for that she was two when she started learning um asking to play the violin and the piano um so on her third birthday she started both on the same day and here we are eight years later um many instruments (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we now we now play violin, viola, piano, mandolin. I teach her voice lessons. And this summer she's venturing out and giving pipe organ a try. Wow. Um, but it's the best decision we ever made to see the person that learning a musical that learning music has made her be um we're able in homeschool to meet her needs and keep her so curious and intrigued and always learning and give her the advanced curriculum that she needs and the rigor that's necessary but it allows her to take deep dives into what she loves Um, And that's learning all of those instruments and having lessons at a time of day when her mind is awake and alert with teachers that she loves who build great character um, and to build healthy, consistent practice habits that I never had Mm -hmm. as a musician. Um, And also to build friendships with kids who are all those various ages that she is all at the same time. And the community that God has blessed us with never look at her and decide her worthiness of being a friend based on her age or her size. 
They love her for exactly who she is. And we can share that love of learning and musical excellence because we're in that. So often as a mother, we hear that it takes a village to raise a child. And a mentor that you and I share, Mrs. Ellen Francisco, who is Lydia's violin and viola teacher, shared a piece of wisdom that has stayed with me. It may take a village to raise a child, but you get to determine who is in that village. This doesn't mean that Lydia is sheltered. She's not raised in a bubble or a vacuum, but her father and I are her gatekeepers. We take this really seriously. And it's um, a responsibility that we know that the Lord has trusted us with. He's charged us with being her filter of what goes into the gate of her heart, her eye gate, her ear gate. It takes us back to that song of be careful little eyes what you see and be careful little ears what you hear. We've spent all of these years teaching her, you know, what should be going in and filtering and being gatekeepers. And now we're in the middle and the in-between of helping her decide. And we're seeing that fruit of when something is around or when she's around a friend who doesn't measure up to the standards that we have set for her, she will speak up and say it. And I'm so grateful because um, in the stage that we're in, we know that we've taught her so much about these things. So it allows us the freedom to take intentional steps back to let her spread her wings and have some independence in a space where failure and mistakes are not detrimental. She can fail in a safe space if she needs to. She can make mistakes in a safe space. It's also important that we keep lines of communication open so that we and other trusted adults remain a resource. Um but that she knows that those that we and those other trusted adults though we are a resource that all of our ultimate source is the same source it's the irrefutable absolute truth of god and his word because of that we feel more confident that she's got people speaking into her life in addition to her parents that all go back to that main source and we feel more confident that she's prepared to make these intentional step-by-step steps towards freedom and independence that are age-appropriate and maturity-appropriate and situational-appropriate because we know that we've equipped her and we've intentionally worked together to build a village of those trusted people and a support system around not only her, but our entire family. I encourage parents that the village that is automatically around you doesn't always have to fit if you feel called for something else and something different be brave and be emboldened and courageous to ask the lord to help you build a village around you and your family and your child or children that he has planned So what have you done over the years to 
help Lydia develop a relationship with Jesus and to model for her what that looks like. When I got pregnant, I so often heard children don't come with an instruction manual. And it scared me um, because I really like rules and I really like textbooks and instruction manuals. And my beloved mentor and voice teacher, Mrs. Virginia Horton, who at our house is called Mama Horton, stopped me in my tracks and said, oh, yes, they do. Their instruction manuals, the word of God. And that has determined so much of how we've parented and how we live our marriage and how we live our lives. Early on, Joe and I decided that God had entrusted us to disciple Lydia with the support of our community and our local church and that village that we would build around her. But it wasn't their responsibility that we would help them with. The responsibility was ours as her parents. And then we would build that foundation and those other people would help support us in her discipleship. So often in our world, parents are taught to have it backwards where, you know, we drop them off at church and and the church disciples and the church teaches them everything. And then we just make sure that they get to practice their memory verse through the week. And that's all we have. No, they are with us so much more than they see their church family. And it is so imperative that we choose to be intentional in helping our children develop that everyday walk and our children see how it weaves into their life. And we disciple them just like Deuteronomy says, and they're sitting and they're standing and they're coming and they're going. Put it on your forehead, write it, wear it on around your neck, write it on the doorposts of your of your home. My husband jokes that I've become a little too literal about that, but I think it's absolutely necessary that we take that seriously. Otherwise, we're going to end up with a generation that does not know the Lord. We watched Israel go through that cycle over and over and over again. I think we are watching our nation go through that cycle right now, and the time is now mothers and fathers to raise up and be intentional about discipling your children at home. Um, For us, we expose Lydia to the Bible and the Bible stories, worship services, and family worship at home from the beginning. Um, She wasn't just dropped off at the nursery. We are blessed with a very um, family-friendly church who welcomes kids no matter if they're playing with Legos or crayons or crying or, you know, and they learn right where they are. We wanted Lydia to be so comfortable worshiping the Lord and listening to teaching about his word um, and to see how mom and dad interact with their church. We didn't want that to be a shock when she hit middle school and there was no more kids church that, boom, now you have to be an adult. We wanted her to know what that would be. And yes, she had, she went to nursery and toddler church and kids church, but we always worked really hard to find that balance for her so that she would know what mom and dad's relationship with their local church was. Um, we also include the Bible in our homeschool day and learn the Bible as a text to learn and study from and grow from. And I love that because it makes teaching 
all of the other things so much easier when God is the center of it and you see how he influences history and science and math and geography and music and reading and poetry and all of the things when God is the center he is the binding agent so yes when we homeschool we included in our day when she was in school we would still include bible in our day um so that she would know that it connected to those things when I was in school, I was blessed to spend most of middle and high school going to a Christian school. And I loved seeing how Bible connected everything. And I knew right off, no matter how Lydia was schooled, that that's something I wanted her to have. And we're so blessed to be able to weave that into our homeschool. I know many families do not have that. And I hope that this encourages them to do so. Um, We've also been intentional to teach her how to have a personal devotion time with the Lord, whether it be watching her dad and I have our personal time or literally hand in hand me showing her this is how you might do it and try different ways and let her see what works for her. Um, and it's been great to see her blossom and find her own um, rhythm of that and watch it change. And even come to me and say, well, this was working, but this isn't working anymore. Um, and we've seen the fruit. When she was three, she came to us and on Easter Eve, I'll never forget, we were reading a book. And she said, I want that. I want Jesus to be mine. And so we as her parents got the amazing gift of being able to walk her through making that personal choice to ask Jesus into her heart. Um, many have and often would discount this because she was so young, but I have watched her fall in love with Jesus more and more each day and obeying him and those trusted adults in her world out of love. You know, the father loves you and we love the father. Therefore we obey his word and, and do what we know is right. And then because we know it's right to, honor your father and your mother it gives a more intrinsic value to obedience than just because I said so and you know mom and dad are not um, bossing me around and punishing me just to be mean to me they have a loving relationship with the Lord and they're obeying the Lord and teaching me to obey the Lord um at five Lydia asked to be baptized and we took time before we ever took her to our pastor and talked through it we took it upon ourselves to teach her about baptism at home um, pulled out the baby in the bath and um, walked her through what that would look like in her own life and what a big public statement that was um, and when she, we felt she was ready um, we helped her take that step I'm so grateful for our pastors at the time, Jimmy and Renee, for saying yes. And they took it a step further and um, let her say her public yes and play a hymn on her violin. 
And if you know her at all, like that's just so, that is her way of worshiping him. So it was so very special to us. Um, and just weaving the Lord in throughout our day. One of our favorite things that we've ever done is to take the advice of a friend and use the daily audio Bible app. They have multiple options and one of them is um, daily audio Bible kids. And we got to read through the New Testament um, aloud, listening to the host and his daughter read through it together and pray. It was such a special year for us to really dig deep into that. Um, and then that inspired so many conversations and really made the Bible come alive to her and even brought fresh life to the word for me as her mom. The next year, in pure fashion, Lydia said, I want to do the whole Bible and listen to the adult version. And so we did that. And I was a little nervous at first. There's some not six-year-old appropriate content in the Old Testament. But I learned how much God is over his word because sometimes I don't even know if she caught all of the bigness of it. She just felt like God was speaking to her and would often say that. I hear him in his word. Um, the next year, she said, we should listen to a proverb every day. So we brought that habit. And we read through the Proverbs 12 times that year, along with our regular devotion time. And it just helped us really dig into the the beauty of searching for wisdom um, and helped me grow. And I think as she sees mom and dad seeking to grow and that we're not arrived and perfect, that it keeps her curious when we are just transparent. And I think that's so important for parents to know that your kids don't want to see that you have it perfect. They actually need to see you and your imperfections because it lets them feel safe to be imperfect. And when they see you seeking wisdom, it's going to make them seek wisdom. Um, these things have now grown into a beautiful family worship time where we're reading the Bible aloud together. Lydia often taking leadership on as herself, and I love to see that, and I love to empower her to do that. Um, memorizing scripture together and digging deep into it and modeling what an everyday relationship with Christ looks like. It's not just your, your Sabbath day the day you choose to worship. It's not just your midweek service. It is that God will meet you in your home on a bad Tuesday or a trying Thursday or a frantic Friday. He will meet you right where you are when you have that regular relationship with him. And it has made such a difference in our home. Um, not even just the warm, fuzzy parts, um, we have been really intentional to model confession um, of sin and forgiveness, honest complaints instead of hypocritical praise. The Lord knows that he knows if we're complaining. And when we're honest and we ask him to help us to navigate through it, man, it makes such a difference because he can create in us a clean heart and renew us a righteous spirit within us. 
But all of those things are spiritual disciplines that come along with a long-term sustained relationship with Christ. And those cannot be learned on a midweek service or a, you know, or worship service on your Sabbath of the week. It has to be modeled and practiced throughout the week. Wow, that's so beautiful. And I love how intentional you are now preparing her for each step, showing her each step. Um, I think that's just so cool. But I'm wondering, how can we prepare right now as women who don't have children? How can we prepare for the day when we will have children? Because I know it doesn't just all of a sudden happen and change. Um, So what can we do in our own lives to prepare to model our spiritual journey someday? For me, I would say start with making sure you have a firm foundation and a storm-safe relationship built on Christ. Let him be your solid rock. Seek mentors. Be a student of the word. Asking hard questions and wrestling with the answers. Take responsibility of yourself and the work you need to do work through your spiritual baggage and if you need counseling get it I hear more and more and more from young ladies about church hurt and I can absolutely say that's true I've experienced some of it myself but walking through it and working through it instead of just running away or blaming because Because at the end of the day, the church is flesh. They're fleshly humans and it's man and and people, human beings disappoint. But God is not going to be that one that disappoints us. And when when we're rooted in Christ and knowing that the church is a building full of human beings, it changes how we look at the church and we we find out how we fit differently. Now is the time to really work on our relationship with Christ. We can't be perfect for our kids, but we can be taking steps to a rooted relationship with Christ. Now is the time to dig deep into Bible study and prayer, small groups, retreats, all the things, because when you have kids... It gets harder and harder to get away and start a new habit. So when you fill up those new habits now and you build them up, then they will be there and solid when that new thing of of being a parent comes in. And it's also like filling up a savings account of spiritual food now when the time is not plenty and the stress is not light and it's all kinds of new. So really focus on what that spiritual savings account and longevity looks like that foundation looks like that way you are storm safe that keeps coming back to me that storm safe you know when it when the storm comes and it beats upon the house that you know you can stand because you're rooted in Christ 
So Miss Katie, what is, in your opinion, the hardest part of motherhood and what is the most rewarding part? So it's a tough one. I try to focus on the rewards. The hardest part um, is a jumbled up combination of my own personal struggles with perfectionism and failure. I don't do well with it. Um, I hold a high standard for myself. Um, like I mentioned earlier, parenting is really sanctifying. You have this tiny person that you are in charge of, and then you are faced with all of the worst parts of yourself and the truth and reality that you are accidentally passing it down to them. <laughs> um, it exposes all of your weakest places, but if you're courageous and if you're brave and bold, um, you will use those things to learn and to grow and to heal and you won't pass the cycle on. I'm learning that, but I'm not there yet. One step at a time, one choice at a time. Um, another challenge is the comparison trap. Um, I want to be the best mom I can be, but in that mistakes are part of the game. I am had to draw boundaries about allowing social media in my own life of other moms and mom talks and not allowing me to compare myself and my family to other families. Um, a current battle I'm fighting is others comparing to us. Um, and I never thought of having that challenge. It's like the reverse issue. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. It, it boggles my mind because I'm over here feeling like a complete failure <laughs> and they're like it, it's just it's wild how do I make my kid like your kid I have no idea I really have no idea can you ask the Lord um <laughs> because we're figuring it out but you know learning to continue to be a student a student of your child a student of yourself a student of my husband a student of the world around me never stop learning um and learning what works and what doesn't sometimes that's through trial and error taking change as it comes I'm not good at that I really like to plan I'm terrible with change I'm terrible with unknown the Lord knows that and um, in my life right now, I'm dealing with a lot of things that I have zero control over. <laughs> um, we were just having an honest complaint moment about that today in our prayer time, Jesus. But what works, works for others may not work for us. Um, what works for us may not work for others. Not every child needs to be homeschooled. Not every parent needs to homeschool. Not every kid needs to go to take music lessons. Some kids desperately need to learn to swim. And it's fine. Seek the Lord and do what he leads you to do. And when you're doing that, I'm going to stand on your sideline and I'm going to cheer for you no matter what it is. Um, life is an experience. It is not a competition and it is not a race. Um, I am not a competitor. I very much live a life as that I am my own competition. I just want to do better in this moment than I did in the last moment. But my my people are competitors. 
it is constantly um a race and a competition Lydia has asthma and every day we have to measure her lung function and her dad has taught her that like it's a competition to do better today than you did yesterday so if she's having a low lung function day she's like oh I lost and I'm like no you're having low you're having low lung function it is what it is it's data it helps me help you so that's a that's a challenge um life is not parenthood is not a a grade it's not a project it's not a shared experience but the rewards are countless um to see her growing in grace growing in beauty becoming the woman of god that he's created her to be blows my mind to see her becoming bold and courageous to see her seeking the Lord for what he wants her to be and how she can live her life now to impact that later is mind boggling to me. Um, And it's humbling to think that of all the people in all the world, God chose little old me and my husband to parent this amazing human. Um, it can be a heavy thing as a perfectionist, as a pleaser. Um, and I keep going back to that part of the word that says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If it's my yoke and it's my burden, it's going to kill me. But if it is his yoke and if it is his burden, I'm not, I'm a part of it. I'm a part of the process, but he bears the weight. So as long as we carry his yoke and his burden, not adding to it, not trying to fashion a better way or a different way, um, we will carry it out with his help. And through it, he doesn't just work in one life. He works in Lydia's life and he works in my life and he works in my husband's life. And in the generations to come after us, And to hear my child say, God's called me to be a missionary. And a music educator. Tells me that it's going to go far beyond just our family. Mm -hmm. It's just the beginning. And it'll keep perpetuating which is mind-boggling to wrap your head around. But he's just as sovereign. We hear a lot about mom guilt. Um, I've heard a lot of moms talk about that. So I'm just wondering, like, what have you, how have you managed that? How have you walked through that? Walk through it. I haven't figured out how to manage it. I'm figuring it out one step at a time. I just came out of a really major season of mom guilt and I'm unpacking and, and learning from it. Um, came out of burnout. (laughs) I was working a job that just kept growing and required, um, so much of me that I didn't really have time to homeschool. Like I wanted to practice with Lydia, like I wanted. Um, and there were, 
I was lacking my own boundaries between work at home and it showed um, it wore on my health and my attitude, my bad attitude. <laughs> um, and the Lord just orchestrated me exiting that job and having where I'm at now. Um, I loved what I was doing. I just needed to be with my family. It's my favorite place to be. Um, but for the past four months, I've been working on just sleeping <laughs> and regaining my health. Um, and I have dear friends who tell me the truth, who make me check my boundaries and tell me when I am not holding them up um, and take me back to the word. They listen without judgment. They pray with me. They tell me when I'm wrong, but they tell me in grace and in love. Um, and when they lead me back to the word, it gives me the courage to ask God to help me. Mm. Um, I have a dear friend who just said, you are not strong and healthy. This job is wearing you down and I pray that one day you will have the courage to see outside of this thing because at that job I didn't think I was qualified to do it either so I was I felt so blessed and asking for more or different would have been hard but they challenged me and it made me go to the Lord and just say you know I know that you have abundant life for us and if there's any other way can you just show me um and the Lord met us above and beyond and provided me this change. Um, and I still wrestle through the feelings of the time that I missed. Um, but then I hear my family say, just rest. Like, we want you strong. We want you healthy. We are not judging you. We know that you are literally giving all of yourself and laying it all out there for us to thrive and be strong and you have to too um so we're so grateful that the lord has provided that change but i am still on a journey to figure out mom guilt and to be strong and healthy me so do you have any funny moments or stories that you can share about your life as a mom and lydia she is a precocious little thing. She's quite loquacious. These are words that she uses to describe herself. Um, but it can get us into some tricky moments. Um, and we're teaching her how to filter. But it's it's funny. Like, I write them down. Like, things that she says just really point blank baffle those who don't know her. They don't know what they're encountering. So, um when especially when it's like telling an adult they're wrong or something my husband and I have this like secret look of well she's not wrong but we need to teach her how to filter and deliver but like our recent funny moments have been that she just loves signs with grammatical errors and it has me rolling she'll find one and read it out loud in this dramatic voice and like <laughs> There have been times I've had to pull over to the side of the road and like make her record it because it's just so funny. There's a restaurant in our in our town where they had the placard up and they didn't have the apostrophe for we are we're. 
And she reads it. And she goes, we're hiring. Hmm. I guess they aren't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with that? Like adults don't catch that, but she does. So just funny moments are just watching her be her. And she doesn't necessarily, she's not prideful there to see like how enchanting she is. And I just get to see a filterless version of her. Um, even though me enjoying that filterless version sometimes gets us into some sticky spots. And I tell her, like, okay, you're gonna be a teacher. These are these things are gonna come back and get you and you're in the classroom, like it will come. And I firmly believe that she will know exactly how to handle it. But <laughs> it's just it's just the the personality inside of her is a gift and a joy, even amongst all the sticky spots. <laughs> I love it. So I know we have one question left, um, but I did want to ask, I saw that you had put a note at the bottom um, about some extra stuff that you wanted to cover. So maybe real quick, we can take a moment to do that. And then I'll ask the last question. Yeah. Um, it's just a guiding point of motherhood for me from my, my spiritual mother, my mentor, um, as a high achieving perfectionist woman of God. And she sat me down and this is the same spiritual, spiritual mentor who taught me about grace. And she assured me that I don't always have to be doing, um, and motherhood, motherhood isn't about the doing. And so many times we get stuck in that cycle of, Oh, I'm just sitting here reading to my child. I didn't do anything today. Um, but that, striving in that doing is the space for grace where we need to lean in for the Lord. Because if we look at Mary and Martha, you know, he spoke to that of, so as mothers, including myself, we push and push for proof of what we're doing in the kingdom. We want that checklist. We want that grade. We want that rubric. Um, but we don't feel, we want, I don't, and we often feel that it's lost when we have our children, I don't have a job in the church. I don't have a, a calling. I don't have this thing to do because I'm just at home with my kids. There's no just about it. There's no place I'd rather be. Um, our identity is not found in what we do. It's not found in our children's accomplishments. That's something that I have to put before the Lord every day. Um, Lydia is an amazing human, but that is not my identity in Christ. It's not even her identity in Christ. Um, it's in who we are in Christ. Um, when a child is born, I think I mentioned this earlier, so as a mother, we don't have to have all the answers all the time. Our worth isn't measured by checking things off a list or a rubric um, in the day or proving to our husband at the end of the day all the things that we did. Um, but one thing that we do need to focus on is discipling the heart and the soul of that child, molding their character, teaching love and showing love, introducing them to God and the beauty of his creation in the everyday world around us. Um, so in this season, that sometimes the greatest thing that we do for the kingdom isn't something we do. It's someone we raise that changed my perspective 
on motherhood when Mrs. Horton shared that with me. When we're too busy being about the doing and the doing something, we forget that we don't have enough bandwidth in that savings account to be intentional about raising our someone or our someones, depending on how many children are in our home. Um, it doesn't mean that being home and being a child, being a mother is the only thing we have to do. There, there can be other things, but we want to make sure that those priorities are in line of God and husband and family and that we know those and we stick to those boundaries. The time will come when we're doing other things other than raising babies. Um, many have said the days are long, but the years are short. And that is so very true. Um, and so through my years as a mother, limited as they may be, I always say that, like I've read, I've got one, I'm only 11 years into it. We don't have the final product yet. So I don't know all the answers, but God has been faithful to give me places to maintain my personal identity and the things that he's given me and not have everything be wrapped up in motherhood. There was a season when I, the only identity I have was as Lydia's mom. And that was not a safe season. Lydia's godmother. Um, Ashley spoke so much truth into my life and led me back to the word to help pull me out of that. But God chose you. God chose me. God chose your spouse. God chose Joe to parent our children is a specific, purposeful, sovereign choice. And it's for such a time as this. So don't get busy in the doing when you forget the relational people part of it. Hmm. Wow. So good. Oh, so much good. So if you had one piece of advice to give a young lady who maybe is listening and feeling either stressed, wondering if she wants to have a child someday or feeling overwhelmed at the idea of having to pick the right maid and then, you know, decide on the right time and like all these different things. What would you say? One step at a time. You don't have to have all the answers right away. Parenting Lydia has made me learn a whole lot. She wants to be a missionary. I've said that. Um, to China. <laughs> Stresses me out just a little bit more that she says her dad and I are going with <laughs> nearly 39 is a little late to learn Mandarin but I you know when he says go I'll go <laughs> I'll figure it out um but it's made me learn a lot about missionaries and I fell in love with the history and the story of Elizabeth Elliot I love to read her readings and she's a hero of the faith a role model in me and Lydia's life um she wrote a poem called do the next thing and that's kind of become my go to as a mom and as just as Katie is do the next thing the second stanza which we have memorized in our house um really answers this question better than I really could alone it says many a questioning many a fear many a doubt has its quieting here moment by moment let down from heaven Time, opportunity, guidance are given. Fear not tomorrow, child of the king. Trust them to Jesus. 
do the next thing. And when thoughts like that guide my day, guide my moment, I don't have to have the whole picture. That's when I am the most successful, I guess that's a, that's a rough word. That's when I'm the most godly mother that I can't be is when I'm doing the next thing and I'm leaning all those things into the Lord and I'm hiding in him. Wow. I feel like I just need to kind of like sit in all of it and let it percolate in my mind because it's just so, so much, but so good. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share with me and then with everybody who will be listening and getting to um, benefit from this and think on what you have shared. So thank you so much. Thank you for trusting me with this. I know it's, it's big. It's, it's a huge responsibility for me, for you to have asked and to trust. And I definitely wrestled with my own not enoughs and saying yes, but I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, go be courageous, go be bold. And so um, I hope that it does me sharing my heart just does it, it goes and it's covered by the anointing of the Lord and he does what he needs to do. He takes my not enough and makes it more than enough through his power and his anointing. forget to follow Carved to Beautify on Facebook or Instagram, check out our blog, subscribe on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and leave a rating or review so that others can enjoy these episodes too. Until next time, may the God of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Blessings as you beautify the world.